is Coworking with Tom Lewis. Weekly discussion and debate about all things co-working. Hello and welcome to the latest uh, Cowork Inc. Uh, podcast. Today I wanted to talk about um, what the process that I go through when I'm evaluating the viability of a new space, um, the sort of tools and techniques that I use and the model that I use. Um, and this is something that I sell uh, as part of my consultancy package and I sell to local authorities uh, and private companies um, and also I use when I'm pitching for uh, a new building or pitching to a landlord so hopefully it's pretty valuable stuff um, it might or not all be relevant uh, exactly to what you're doing but um, yeah I just thought I'd, um, I'd go through it and share it uh, and use that as a foundation for a quick podcast um, hopefully about 15 minutes so yeah um, so I use a, uh, a standard template uh, spreadsheet and I developed when I first came up with the idea for the guild and it consists of three uh, different worksheets in one spreadsheet um, and the three worksheets are number one is core assumptions, uh, number two is income projections uh, and number three is operating model. So what I do, um, it's the same template I use for all, uh, the same basic template that I use for all opportunities and I do tweak it for each one. Um, but the way it works is I take the core assumptions. So the core assumptions are basically the uh, the variables that are unique to that project. So this is things like um, the size of the space I'm looking at, um, uh, the rental costs, the uh, the business rates, uh, comms costs, insurance costs, staffing costs, uh, even down to things like the cleaning costs and the cost of taking payments, so card payments or go cardless payments. Um, I also have some uh, kind of multipliers or discounts, I guess the word is, um, on this assumption uh, worksheet as well. And that relates to things like what percentage of room hire would we actually use? So we may have you know, a room available for eight hours a day, 20 days a, a month, but realistically, what is the likely percentage uh, that that's available for? So, sorry, that that's um, going to be used for. And that's important to discount that back because otherwise you come up with wildly optimistic figures that assumes that your room booking is going to be, uh, your room is going to be packed from the moment you open to the moment you close. And I'm fairly conservative on that. So I use a, um, a discount rate of 30%. So I assume that our paid room hire is going to be used 30% of the time. I do the same with event space as well. So um, I basically say the capacity of event space. So let's say, for example, our event space is available for two hours every night. So that could be five nights a week, two hours uh, is, is 10 hours a week, times four, so that's 40 hours a month. And I use a discount rate of about 25%, um, depending on the individual space, but 25% to allow for um, the amount of time that that could actually be booked for. So 25%, I guess, is you know one and a half evenings a week. And normally, you know, it's more than that, but it just means that we can come out with a realistic set of numbers if we're looking for investment uh, or looking to show a landlord or developer that it's a viable project. So once I plug all those numbers in, um, I then look at um, probably the the most comprehensive part of the model, which is the income projections. Um, and the way it works with income projections is I I have a uh, I split out the different types of offer that we're looking to to uh, provide. So. Um, memberships, office spaces, meeting rooms, uh, and other revenue sources, which can include uh, events, 
uh, income can include uh, third-party income. So if, for example, there's a third-party coffee shop operator um, and also any events uh, and other income. So I've been working on an opportunity this morning over in Bristol and that includes uh, car parking spaces. So all of this is important to go into the mix. So I list all that out. Um, I take a total assigned area from the first sheet, so total floor space, and make sure that there's a relevant space per unit per type of office. There's a space dedicated for co-working and spaces dedicated for any other operations that need their own dedicated space. And then I list what I believe to be the potential income per unit size and the capacity, so the number of units of that size that are available. So for example, uh, in this, this proposal I did this morning, um, I indicated that there's a demand for micro studios. So these micro studios are 150 square foot per unit, um, and I think we can get eight in this space. So that's 1,200 square feet. Um, some, uh, small offices, I've got 300 square feet, uh, and eight of those again at £1,300 a month. And these all add up, and the spreadsheet is basically keeping a tab every time I play around with these ratios to ensure that I'm not proposing more space than we have available in total. And the total space includes circulation areas, which are calculated from the front worksheet, and also um, any communal areas as well. Now, in some cases, the communal areas double up as the co-working space, so you just have to make sure that you're not overselling in any one area, um, but equally that you're making every area pay for itself. So with all of this added up, I can then add in the meeting rooms. Uh, and the meeting rooms I just put in a cost per hour, um, an amount of space per room, and a total amount of space, which again is taken out of the total pool of available space. Uh, and then a maximum number of hours per month. But remember, I also then discount this back based on the multiplier or the discount rates I've got on the front sheet. So um, for example, here we've got small meeting rooms. I've got a 60 square foot meeting room which I think can make £8 an hour and has the capacity to sell 160 hours a month. But what I've then done is discounted that back by 30% because we know that meeting rooms only really get used 30% of the time. Um, I mean, we can look to increase that over time, but uh, as I said, it's useful to just put in uh, a worst-case scenario, I guess. One of the things I also do in this stage on this income projection sheet is to keep a track of the income per square foot per uh, revenue area, so per office size uh, for the memberships and for the meeting rooms, just to try and keep an eye to make sure that the relative income per square foot is A, more or less matches my rule of thumb, which is three and a half times core rental income uh, equals desired revenue, and also um, to understand that areas like the co-working space and the communal spaces um, can have as much income booked towards them as possible so that they pay their way as well. So in this case, uh, our core uh, rental rate is £15 a square foot. So we know three and a half times the core rental uh, is about £50 a square foot. Um, so I've made sure that every one of these spaces, micro studios, small offices, large offices and meeting rooms is over £50 a square foot. If any space calculates on that sheet as less than my target, I know that I've either got to increase the cost per unit, so the price for one of those offices, or I can lower the size of each of those units, um, or I can... Oh, that's the only two things I can do, actually. So, yeah, you just play around with it until I know that there's... Uh, a a sensible logical 
and profitable cost or income per unit. So once I've done that, and we've got a, a list of all of those income streams, and we've got them all added up, um, the third tab is the operating model. So what the operating model does, the operating model is a five-year spreadsheet based on a ramp up over the first, well in, in this case it's over the first two years. So I plug in all the numbers from all the different revenue streams. So in this case, micro studios, small offices, large offices, meeting rooms, memberships, and the other income. And I discount it again. So year one in this case got 50%. So again, I'm being quite conservative over how long it takes to fill a space. Year two, 75%. So we're starting to build up towards being at capacity. And year three, 90%. And I always stick at 90%. So 90% is effectively as, as, as close as you're gonna to get to capacity when you take into account churn rates uh, and you take into account the development of the space uh, and people moving on. So 90% is the uh, the top level of, of uh, resource maximization that I use. I plug that all in as the income part of this spreadsheet and then the outgoings part of this spreadsheet, the costs, um, rent, rates, utilities, staffing, marketing, consumables, all of this is taken from the front sheet, the core assumptions sheet. And one of the most interesting things on here that you need to work out is how much um, consumables each person, so each equivalent full-time member, is going to spend. So what I mean by that is the amount of coffee they drink, um, you know, the amount of snacks they may use, whatever it is that you provide free of charge, what amount of money do you need to devote to each equivalent full-time member? And that can be quite difficult if your space is based around a membership model. So here at the Guild in Bath, most of our members are here as part-time members. So we have to work out the equivalent full-time member spend because a lot of our members are only here for a quarter of the time, for 12 hours a month, for 30 hours a month. But we still need to know what the effective uh, equivalent full-time member spend is on those things. And that effectively is your cost of sale per member. Um, and that's really useful to know. In this case, I've evaluated it at £10 a month equivalent full-time cost for those consumables. Um, also, you have to work out things like bank card charges. You know, if you're taking payment by card, you need to allow anything from sort of one and a half to two point seven five percent. If you're using Stripe, or if you're using what's like a PayPal uh, card reader, it is two point seven five percent. So it's quite expensive to take cards that way. If you're using a merchant terminal and you're renting that, obviously you've got the cost of renting it, but your card payments can be lower. If you're using GoCardless, then it's only 1% um, to use their direct debit system. And that's why we use GoCardless for the majority of our memberships. So once you've worked all that out on this final sheet, you've got your realistic income taking into account uh, uh, void times in your meeting rooms. You're taking into account ramp up um, and you're taking into account realistic costs that you've calculated of staffing, of rent, of utilities. You can then just take one from the other and work out your projected profit. Um, and then from that, then work out how much capital you need, uh, how much working capital you need. Bear in mind, you also need to account for uh, refurb costs or fit out costs, depending on how you're um, financing that. If you're financing it up front, then you need to take into account that there will be depreciation, um, which will be hitting your accounts, if not your cash flow. You also need to take into account um, if you are financing that stuff, then your lease payments are going to come out, your loan payments are going to come out. And we, I've not added that in this particular proposal I did this morning um, because we're looking to raise the, the money as capital. Bear in mind as well, this doesn't take into account 
cash flow. And one of the other things I do do, if I get to the next stage with a hub proposal, I had another tab onto this spreadsheet model, which is year one cash flow. And year one cash flow is enormously important because anyone who runs a business knows cash flow is king. Um, running out of money is the biggest danger. And there are elements to a business plan like this that are dangerous in terms of cash flow, particularly with things like VAT. So you know, VAT payments can, can affect your cash flow um, and they need to be accounted for and you need to make sure you've got enough working capital. So with those three tabs, so that's core assumptions, income, pro income projections, and the operating model, plus a fourth tab that I add as soon as I get to the next stage of a proposal, which is year one cash flow, that is enough for me to see whether a project is profitable and for me to be able to present to a landlord uh, or an investor or a local council to prove to them that their project um, is viable. So I'm happy to share that with you. If you want to give me a, um, an email um, at tom at coworkinc.co.uk, so c-o-w-o-r-k-i-n-c.co.uk, tom at coworkinc.co.uk, I can share a sample um, with, with um, I'll anonymise it and I'll send that out to you uh, as a spreadsheet and it's really, really useful. You can play with your own numbers in there. It's a pretty simple spreadsheet, but it's the thing that got me the guild in the first place and got me to convince the funders who weren't convinced of this model um, that it could work. Um, so yeah, so very powerful stuff. Happy to share it with you. Please just send me an email um, and let me know how you get on. And that's it. That's um, hopefully been of use to you. Um, it's been a say quick 15 minute podcast. Um, and yeah, I hope to uh, speak to you soon. You've been listening to Coworking with Tom Lewis. Subscribe and listen to previous episodes at soundcloud.com slash coworking. Coworking returns next week.